Today on the show, I'm speaking to the legendary Mr. Jack Canfield. Now, he gets personal and tells us about some personal things that he overcame in his life and exactly how he did it so that he can help you do the same. So please, enjoy. Hi, I'm Natalie Ledwell and this is The Inspiration Show. And today I have with me my guest, does, needs no introduction, the amazing Mr. Jack Hanfield. Hi, Jack. Hey, uh, hi, glad to be here. I'm, uh, I'm glad that you could spend some time with us. Um, like I said, you don't really need any introduction. Um, you're very famous from the Chicken Soup for the Soul series um, and uh, many other things. But can you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what got you to, to this point? Well, I grew up in a typical dysfunctional American family in yeah. West Virginia. My father was a workaholic. My mother was an alcoholic. And uh, I was very fortunate, though. I had an aunt who had a son named Jack who died when he was in college, and she adopted me and sent me to a really good school. It was a day school, but I went to a military school for eight years in West Virginia, which at that time had the 48th worst educational system in America. Mm. So I was fortunate to get a fairly good education. Went to college, majored in Chinese history, which has prepared me for the work I do today. I say kiddingly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but while I was in college, I took an elective class in psychology, and I became really fascinated by human behavior. And then uh, what happened was I ended up teaching in an all-black inner-city high school in Chicago. And I was really curious why my students weren't motivated to learn. I had always wanted to learn as much as I could about anything. And I have discovered that they weren't motivated. And so my quest became, how do I motivate them to believe in themselves, that they could achieve anything they wanted in life. Mm. And um, because at that time in the ghetto, that wasn't the reality for these kids. And so I met a man named W. Clement Stone, who was a good friend of Napoleon Hill, who'd wrote, written Think and Grow Rich. And I got involved with him, and I learned all these achievement motivation principles and practices. Um, then we called it the you know positive thinking. Today it's the law of attraction. Yes. <laughs> and um, I started applying that in my classrooms, and I got so good at what I was doing that when kids were on suspension and probation, they would sneak into school, come to my class, and then sneak back out of school again because they didn't want to miss it. In that first year of teaching, I got the Teacher of the Year Award for the students. And so I knew I was on to something. Right. And so very quickly I was asked to teach the teachers how do you teach this stuff? And I became a teacher trainer. And then one day someone said, my husband's company needs what you do. And I said, I never worked in a company. And they said, I said, I just work with kids. And they said, well, they're just big kids in suits, so yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> so I went over and taught goal setting and self-esteem and affirmations and visualization. They loved it. And eventually my work morphed into the public seminars and working with corporations. And then um, I always noticed that stories is when people would be on the end of their seat if you're telling a story. Teaching history, huh, telling a story about somebody on the edge of their seat. So I started collecting stories even when I was a high school teacher and I would use stories and that was what would eventually became Chicken Soup for the Soul. Right. People started saying, that story you told about the Girl Scout who sold 3,528 boxes of Girl Scout cookies and money, is that in the book anywhere? I'd have to say no. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, well, my daughter needs to read that. And then after one day I went, supposed to put these stories in the book. and. That literally transformed my life. And, yes, because um, that was such a successful franchise. It mm -hmm. was Chicken Soup for the African-American soul, for the African women's soul, for mm -hmm. teenager soul. Mm -hmm. I actually had the one for the, Af uh, for the traveling soul. Mm -hmm. um, so that was such an amazing, amazing franchise. Yes. Uh, now, I know you've moved on from there. So, right. so what is it that you're doing now? What's your focus? Well, what I was doing before Chicken Soup is I was running trainings and in, in helping people literally learn how to trust themselves, believe in their dreams, go for what they wanted. 
And so as I got tired of doing the chicken soup series and decided I wanted to you know, change, I went and wrote a book called The Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. Yep. And that's really been the focus of my work. My life purpose is described as inspiring people, inspiring and empowering people to live their highest vision in a context of love and joy in harmony with the highest good of all concerned. And I added that after the Wall Street meltdown. Because yes. I realized if everyone was trying to do what they do in harmony with the highest good of all concerned, that never would have happened. Right. So, um, and the work I do today is primarily running around, like tomorrow I'm leaving for Russia. I'll be doing a one-day seminar in Moscow and two days for 7,000 members of a network marketing company. Mm -hmm. I work in large corporations. I do retreats. I do high-end uh, seminars. I do my breakthrough to success training every year. We have a coaching program. We coach about 3,000 people by phone every year. And I'm, my, my big passion right now is training trainers. And right. so I'm looking at what's the legacy I leave other than my written work and my audio programs is I've now I've got, I think we've trained about 250 trainers from 42 countries around the world. Wow. And so every year we're doing about 80 to 100 people. Yeah. I actually recently was contacted by a, a woman who bought our Matrix, My Movies Matrix product, who mm -hmm. is in one of your coaching programs. Mm -hmm. um, it's getting coached on how to, to build a business online. Yes. So um, I've um, stepping in and helping her with her teleseminar series oh, good. and everything. Oh, good. Excellent. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I, I need to ask, were there any limiting beliefs that came up for you on the journey? Yes, um, a whole list of them, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> the, the, my biggest juggernaut that I had to get past was I'm not blank enough. You know, and you can fill in the blank. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not connected enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I don't know enough techniques yet to be really good. All along the way, that was the biggest issue I had. And so it drove me. The, the neurotic part was I worked too hard for a long time. I don't anymore. And then the, but the good part of it was that it, it really trained me to go out and learn as much as I could about everything so I'd feel worthy. I now know my worthiness does not depend on my knowledge. It depends on my quality of my beingness, which was there all the time. So that you surrender into and accept and allow. The other is like this driving, pushing thing that I did for years. You know, and the, the bad thing about perfectionism, it kind of works, you know, <laughs> so you get reinforced a lot for being good. Yes. <laughs> um, but the price is awesome. I mean, it cost me one marriage. It probably would have spent more time with my children early on, um, probably would have got a lot more sleep, you know, been, been a lot more relaxed and had more fun. But I've transcended that. But that was a big one for me, a lot of those. And was there anything specific that you did to, to move past that? Well, it was a combination of therapy, meditation, coaching, mentors, lots of workshops. I mean, I've read 3,000 books and taken 600 seminars, so mm -hmm. uh, somewhere in there, little things popped. Yeah. Uh, but I would say the techniques that I learned were primarily meditation, because you watch your mind doing its ridiculous negativity, and after a while you go, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You see how you're setting yourself up. The other thing was affirmations, taking the opposite of whatever the limiting belief was and affirming that. And um, after a while, you basically crowd out the negative belief. You know, mm -hmm. you, you, we say if you created it, you could uncreate it and recreate it. And so um, that's the power we have with our mind. And so for me, years of repetition, listening to audio tapes, you know, surrounding myself with positive thoughts, reading positive books, and hanging out with positive people. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, eventually, you know, the inner culture shifts. And what happens is when you go from 51% negative to 51% positive, it's very subtle. Yeah. But all of a sudden, the results are amazingly different. And that's why what I teach are what I call the daily disciplines of success. You have to work 
in a consistent manner over time, whether it's watching mind movies, whether it's look, you know, creating your vision boards, whether it's doing affirmations, visualization, yep. meditation, exercise. It's that daily discipline. And as you know, the, most of the research now says about 30 days in a row without one interrupted day. And then what happens is your mind starts to shift. You're building new neural pathways. There's uh, greater amounts of proteins that are, you know, in the brain that get created that allow for more dendrite spiny protuberances at the end of the axons and the dendrites and all this to happen. So basically it's that commitment. Someone said, we were meeting yesterday, and, and, and someone in our group said, um, you know, change is not easy. It requires discipline. Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be suffering, but it has to be committed. And exactly. that's the difference, I think, between those people that succeed in life and those people that just get by. Yeah. I know, isn't it just fascinating and amazing? And, and part of the, the crew that we were with yesterday, you know, uh, uh, researched this, the scientific backup and the scientific proof mm -hmm. that what uh, people have been talking about since the early 1900s, why it works, how it works, and how it can work for everyone. Right. I love that. Well, I've always loved when research validates what I've intuitively known. Yes, yes. And now there's so much research. I mean, I love it. I love reading it going, I knew it, you know, yeah. and this proves it. Exactly. Uh, but there is, if you love research, there's plenty of it out there now. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, I mean, you are obviously living a life of passion. You're doing what you love. Mm -hmm. um, what advice do you have for people out there that are looking, to, trying to figure out what it is and identify what they're passionate about? Well, I think there's a couple of ways. Number one is to do what I call a joy review. Look back over your life and ask yourself, when have I been happiest? Mm -hmm. When did I experience the most joy? And for me, it was always when I was teaching and when I was learning, and especially when I was learning about myself and about people and about spirituality and about success, too. And so for me, I'd say what I would do with somebody if they were sitting in front of me is I would have them review, say, well, when have you been happiest at work? When have you been happiest in your social life, et cetera? The other thing is, you know, friends of mine, Janet and Chris Atwood, have invented this very cool thing called the Passion Test. Yes. And uh, I actually, in their book, because they, they, they took me through it, and um, it was really good because one of the things I realized that when they do the test is, you know, you ask yourself the question, for you complete the sentence, I'm happiest and most fulfilled when I, and then it could be, I'm petting my cat, I'm teaching, I'm watching television, I'm exercising, I'm playing the oboe, whatever it might yeah. be. <laughs> and, and you get your 10 things, and then you go through this forced choice, you rank order them. And I realized my number one passion was hanging out with highly conscious people, sharing and learning and having fun together. And I realized the next question he asked on a scale of 1 to 10, how present is that in your life? And it was about a 3. Mm. And so I said, okay, what can I do to bring that to a 10? And that's when I started the Transformational Leadership Council, where I invited 30 people like John Gray and Stephen M. R. Covey, the, you know, Jr., and Paul Sheely, and all these different people, Hale Dwoskin with the Sedona Method and so forth, to come to my house and say, look, we all run transformational trainings. I would like to get together with you guys twice a year, and we'll do little presentations, we'll have fun, we'll play. Would you guys like to do that? And everyone but one person said yes. And so now we have 120 members. We meet twice a year for four days. I can't wait. It's coming up in about three weeks. We get to do that. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, a, as I said, in West Virginia, where I grew up like a pig in mud, you know? And um, I think you said in Australia, it was like a fox eating guts or yes. something like that. You know? <laughs> but the idea that that just pure joy of yes. doing the thing you love to do, you know? So um, it's really, when, if you're not in joy, then what I believe is you're off course. You know, you're mm -hmm. not. It's, it's your internal guidance system that's guiding you toward that which you were meant to do and manifest here on the planet. Yeah. It, it, um, you know, I say work is required, suffering is not. Right. And so many people think you have to suffer to, to achieve, and I don't believe that. No. 
All right, I have a little hypothetical question for you. Yes. A genie is about to appear in front of you, mm -hmm. and he's going to grant you one wish. Mm -hmm. And that wish is to have dinner with one person. can be anyone from past or present. Mm -hmm. Who do you choose to have dinner with and why? Do you know, I, I, it, 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 one of three people, it doesn't matter which one, it mm -hmm. would be Jesus, Buddha, or Mother Teresa. Right. And the reason I pick all three of those, I think all three of them mastered unconditional love. And that's the highest... Um, level of consciousness that I'm committed to reaching in my life. I don't know if I'll ever reach what some people call enlightenment. Mm -hmm. I've had moments of that, you know, in meditation, but I really am happiest when I'm just allowing things to be and loving people, things, places, the sound of the plane flying yes. over while we're recording, <laughs> just loving it and accepting it unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I would love to know how they were, because we all have, we have these images of them being, you know, like this, and were they really, were they, did, were they more feisty than that, you know? Yes. Uh, I have a lot of questions I would ask them, and um, so either of the three of those would be fine. I know, because it's interesting, you think, well, you know, Jesus, Mother Teresa, Buddha, they still live life. Yes. And isn't that something that, that, you know, I sometimes struggle with? It's like you have this spiritual connection that you want to have, mm -hmm. but you still need to keep your feet on the ground. Yes. You still need to, to go through the processes of life and yes. live life and, and, you know, and interact with other people. Well, the Buddhists say, you know, before enlightenment, carrying wood, chopping water, after enlightenment, carrying wood and chopping water. Right. <laughs> you still have to go to the grocery store, feed the cat, you yes. know, yeah. take a shower, you know, pay your bills, whatever. And I think that the, the trick is learning how to be present in consciousness and joy when you do those things because yeah. they're just part of the process. Absolutely. I think a lot of people are trying to eliminate things from their life they don't like, and certainly we can create more of the life we want. But to also realize that you know, even changing a diaper, doing the dishes, we don't call it doing the dishes in my house. We call it sparkling up the kitchen. Yeah. And it just sounds so much more fun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and to feel the warmth of the water on your hands and washing the dishes get clean. And so it's, it's a matter of learning how to enjoy every moment. Yeah, and taking those moments to, to stop and be grateful. Gratitude. You know, like be, I'm yeah. grateful that I actually get to spend this time with you today, Jack. <laughs> and we spent that time yesterday. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, it's such a pleasure to, to be in your company, and I'm really grateful that you spent that time with us today. Thank you. I'm grateful that I can sit here in my home in front of my pool with two beautiful people in <laughs> jeans and a shirt yes. <laughs> and actually know that this is, this is uh, fulfilling my life's purpose. Exactly. <laughs> now, um, we've actually set up a special page for you to find out more about Jack and what he does. So if you click on the banner to the side there, you'll go through to that website. Um, and if you're listening to the podcast, if you go to mindmovies.com forward slash Jack Canfield, you can go through to that special site. Now, um, I encourage you all to please share this information and the, and the video by clicking the Facebook and Twitter share buttons above. And if you haven't done so already, make sure that you put your email in the box above there because I would love to send you my $87 Manifesting with the Masters video e-course. Now, it has masters like Joe Vitale and Bob Proctor and Marcy Shymoff, and I'd like to send that to you for free. So make sure that you put your email in the box above there to get that. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously, and love without limits. We'll see you soon.